Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today we shall finish this book of Galatians. Going to read the final few verses, verse 11 to the end of the chapter. Galatians chapter 6. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my hand, my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, that they, yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear him on my body the marks of Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we again so thankful to be here. We thank you for the ones that are listening, wherever you may be. And we pray, Lord, that you'll teach us through this message that we have prepared for each one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Titled this message, Conclusion. Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. Do you know, today we finish our studies in this letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Galatia, modern-day Turkey. Paul penned this epistle himself, sometimes he got his secretary to do it, but he actually wrote these, this letter to those Christians in his own hand. He had some kind of a eye problem, an eye condition that made it difficult for him to see, so he said, I'm writing in bold letters, so he could see them too. Probably didn't have any spectacles back in those days. Some people have made a spectacle of themselves, I'm sure. But anyway, we'll move on. He left Turkey, having established churches there. Some false teachers, you know by now, after Paul had left, they came into those assemblies teaching error, 
teaching those new believers, those Gentile believers, and there were some Jewish believers too that became Christians in that church. And these false teachers came in, started to teach that they ought to follow the Old Testament law and the customs and the ceremonies of the Jewish religion, as well as believing in Jesus. So like Jesus wasn't enough. Amen? Why did they teach that? Paul tells us, those who desire to make a good impression in the flesh, see, they weren't walking in the spirit, they are the ones who are compelling you to be circumcised. They were trying to make a good impression. Those false teachers didn't preach the true gospel of the cross, the message of the cross, like Paul did, like we do here. You can tell whether preachers teach truth or error by what they teach about Jesus Christ. The message of the cross that we'll be remembering shortly in the communion service, that he was crucified on that cross, that he died on that cross, that he was buried and he rose again to pay the penalty for our sins. Plus nothing, period, full stop. He did it. When he died on the cross, the last thing he said was, it is finished. Jesus plus nothing added. Paul says the reason those false teachers didn't preach the true gospel was because they wanted to avoid being persecuted. He tells us that, verse 12. They do so only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Like Paul was. Paul was persecuted because he preached the gospel. Anyone who treat, preaches, teaches the true gospel message, the message of the cross, is inviting trouble, is inviting persecution. You make enemies because it's offensive to people. The message of the cross is offensive to people that either don't believe the message or the ones that do believe the message, they're not willing to change by denying themselves, taking up their cross daily and obeying what the word of God says. So they get offended. That includes those religious Jews that came in, they crept in, those false teachers, because the cross was an instrument of death and judgment. The Old Testament says, cursed is those that die on the cross. The very idea that Jesus, who was the Messiah, was, who was crucified on a cross, that very thought, that very idea was re repulsive to the Jews. 
because the cross represents a curse. And the Messiah, no, he couldn't possibly die on the cross. A criminal's death. But the fact is that he did. And he committed no crime. He was totally innocent. The only one who's never sinned. The only one who's never done anything wrong. Like we do. The only one who was without sin. He took the punishment on his body to pay the price for our sins, the sins that we've committed. Isaiah 53, just 5 and 6. He said, but he was pierced when the nails went in. Actually, they went through the wrist. But that was part of the hand. He was pierced for our transgressions he did it for us us he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed by his stripes we are healed we're healed, spiritually healed, once we receive him as personal saviour. We receive his righteousness. Amen? Amen? Only Jesus' death on that cross is a solution to our inherited sin problem. So there's no place for self-righteousness or having delusions about us being good enough or doing anything to earn our way into heaven. We can't do it. Because we all fall short of God's perfect standard of righteousness. We'll never measure up. We can't. Impossible. Believing that fact should humble us knowing the terrible price that Jesus did have to pay to bring us to God. That's what it took. And because he loves us so much, he was willing to do it. And he did it. Thank God that he did it. Amen? All our sinful acts, all our sinful thoughts, because you may not have any of those, I know you do, like I do. Our sinful acts, our sinful thoughts, our sinful deeds can be forgiven because of his sacrifice on that cross. There had to be a payment. There had to be judgment for our sins. And Jesus took it upon his own body to pay that price who was without sin. Now Paul says in verse 4, but far be it from me to boast in anything other than the cross of Christ. There's no reason to boast about our efforts or whatever we try to do to try to be acceptable to God. We've got nothing to boast about. The only thing we should brag on is Jesus and who he is, 
and what he's done for us, having received him as Savior. But those false teachers, and there's many like them, even in our day, they just wanted to get the credit from their fellow Jews by boasting that some of those Gentile Christians are coming around to their way of thinking and believing their teaching, and some of them have been circumcised. So they wanted to boast about that because their teaching was having an effect on some of those new believers. And this is one of the reasons Paul had to write, the main reason. And Paul warns those believers. Love warns. And he says, it's like saying, don't, don't, be, don't be deceived by these deceivers. He says, not even, not even them that are circumcised obey the law. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised. Why? Like I said, they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. Paul had no confidence in man or woman. He had no confidence in himself. He referred to himself as the chief of sinners. He had no confidence in his religious background and the knowledge of the scriptures, which he could quote verbatim in the Old Testament. He had no confidence in his efforts to try to keep the Old Testament law because he knew he couldn't keep it and nobody can keep it. Only Christ fulfilled the law because he was perfect. He was God. He is God. He's not dead. Amen? He's not dead. He's alive. He's still God. He's always been God. Paul's confidence and our confidence should be solely in Jesus because everyone else is going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, but I will. If you're going to be around me long enough and you're going to do the same because we all fall short we all fall short our confidence should be entirely in Jesus alone Jesus plus nothing Jesus plus nobody people will love you if you love them back if you say something that offends them watch out they'll turn on you you ever experienced that? I see some nods. He said he had no confidence in anything apart from the Lord. He said the world out there is crucified to me. It's dead to me. And I to the world. I'm a new creation now. I'm not the same. I don't think like that anymore. I don't act like that anymore. I don't want to be like that anymore. It's dead to me. Meaning when he received Jesus, believing the death on the cross, he died with Christ. 
when he received him as his personal saviour. His sins were put to death on that cross. He became spiritually united with God. That's the only way you can be spiritually united with God, is to receive God. Our sins were crucified on that cross. Our sins were put to death on that cross. Likewise, our sins were put to death on Calvary's cross when Jesus died. But then when he rose again from the dead, we entered into a new and living relationship with God, having been born again supernaturally. Every Christian, you're a miracle, Christian. Every believer is a miracle of God. When we believed, when we received, we were delivered from spiritual death. We were dead. We were spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead to God. We were heading to a lost eternity. We could never enter into heaven. God's not going to allow anything impure and unholy into his holy heaven. We needed to receive Christ's righteousness. And we passed from spiritual deadness to eternal life. Only Jesus can give us eternal life. He is the life. Now we, like Paul and so many others, millions that are up there praising the Lord with the angels in heaven and the ones that are left have no allegiance to this world system, which is rotten, which is evil, which is corrupt, which is opposed to Christ, which is anti-Christ. Paul says, it's dead to me. It's dead to me. And it, I to it, and it to me. It's dead. I'm a new creation now. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become now. Now we know these false teachers. They taught the way of salvation, that the way to be saved was through submitting to circumcision. And this wasn't the first time Paul had problems with these Judaizers. He always had a problem with them. And that's what Satan does, you see. He, he, he comes in and he stirs up trouble. And those new believers, we need to get around them and disciple them and encourage them to keep on coming to church, to keep on reading the word of God because Satan will come after them and try to steal the seed away. In Acts chapter 15, verse 1, Dr. Luke writes... Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and they were teaching the believers, this is what they said, this is what they taught, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And that's exactly what they were doing in Turkey. 
Of course, the Apostle Paul refutes this heresy. He says, verse 15, he says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. It doesn't mean anything. What counts is the new creation. That's what counts. Are you saved? That's what counts. The most important thing that you need to know, the most important thing that you need to do is receive Jesus before you die. Because when you die, it's too late. Too late. Sometimes opportunity only knocks once. Today is the day of salvation. You might be dead tomorrow, and then it's too late. Don't wait. It may be too late. All that's required of people to be reconciled to God is to repent of their sins. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. But the natural man, he thinks and he believes wrongly, he needs to do something. He, need, he has to do something to make him acceptable to God, not just men, also women. In order to be acceptable to God, it's them that has to do something, not what Jesus has already done. It's a done deal. They think by doing good deeds, and I'm not saying doing good deeds is wrong, it's good. Good deeds are good. But it's doing good deeds not going to get you into heaven. We're supposed to do good deeds once we've been saved. Then we can get some rewards. <laughs> I wonder how many you're going to get. How many I, I wonder how many I'm going to get. I don't know. Doing good deeds not going to get you into heaven. Conforming to religious ceremonies. Is not going to get you into heaven. Going to church is not going to get you into heaven. Becoming a member of the church is not going to get you into heaven. Being baptized is not going to get you into heaven. Singing the hymns is not going to get you into heaven. Trying to conform to the Old Testament law can't do it. What's required for our salvation is not circumcision or any other religious ceremony, but the simple faith in Jesus, plus nothing. Simple faith, so we can be a new creation. The only way this can happen is by the way of the cross. There's no other way. 
and what Jesus did on it. We don't worship a cross. It's what Jesus. We worship the one who died on the cross. Amen. But then he rose again. Thank God that he did. Verse 17. But now, from now on, now Paul is an older man. He must have been somewhat discouraged to find out that those new believers and what they were believing, that what these false teachers taught, other than what he taught them, when they first got saved, it was a burden on him. It broke his heart. He shouldn't have needed to write these letters, but he had to. They were like his own children that were born again through his teaching and preaching. And he was tired. He was tired. He says, look, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The apostle and others like him, he bore the scars on his body. He was beaten with rods. He was flogged. He was brutally abused, just like our Savior was. He was a broken man. He said, I've had it. Don't bother me anymore. I'm done. I just want to be with the Lord now. And why did he bear those marks? Those scars? Thank God he's got a new body now. He wasn't ashamed. God forgive us. When the Lord tells us to share our faith with somebody and we don't do it. Have you been there? I have. Well, they're going to just laugh at me. They'll just think, they'll just think I'm crazy. Besides, this is a total stranger. Why would they listen to me? Are we saying that we're ashamed? He wasn't ashamed to preach the truth as a servant of Christ. Now, during the time that he wrote this letter, and I'm almost finished, slave owners would brand their slaves just like Cowboys brand cattle with a branding iron. Slave owners would brand their chattel, their property, those slaves with the personal mark that identified that slave as their master's property. Those who have not yet placed their faith in Jesus Christ, that are dead, spiritually dead, are servants of their master, the devil. And they don't even know it because they're deceived by him, the devil. He's the deceiver. He's the liar. 
However, those of us who have died with Christ, who have been crucified with Christ, having trusted him and what he did on that cross and received him as personal savior, we're no longer slaves to sin, but we are servants of the living God. Our Lord and Master is Jesus Christ. Satan doesn't own us anymore. We served him before, but we didn't know it because we were deceived, because we didn't know the truth. And nobody told me till I was 31 years old. Shame. We were bought with a price to purchase was paid in full by the shed blood of the Savior, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And I can't think of a better way to conclude this letter than to read Paul's final farewell to us and uh, this version it doesn't mention sisters but it mentions brothers but some other versions mention the sisters too <laughs> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. And he is. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this sobering message that we've heard this morning and the price that it took to bring us to God. There's so many outside of Christ doesn't bear thinking about. We have a responsibility now, knowing the truth, not to be ashamed, or to be like a Paul who wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ, who suffered derision, persecution, and physical abuse, and he bore in his body the scars of his faith in you because he believed it. He was changed. He was a new creation. He was totally convinced. Very religious man before he became a believer in Christ, but he was lost and all those things were useless because he was dead in his trespasses and sins and he needed to be saved. Whoever you are listening to this message, you need to be saved if you're not saved already. You need to receive Jesus. It's a simple faith, believing in what he did on the cross. 
knowing that you're a sinner and he loves you so much that he died for you so you wouldn't have to go to hell. That's, what, that's the road that you're on. But God sent his son to save you from that destination so you could go to heaven, that you could find peace on earth and a meaning for life, a meaning to, a meaning to live in this world. You're not going to find peace anywhere else apart from receiving the Prince of Peace, Jesus I hope and pray that you be reconciled to God through Christ alone. And help us, Lord, that bear your name. Christians should not be ashamed to share our faith, given the opportunity and the opportunities that you present on a daily basis. Thank you for keeping us faithful. May it continue until we take our last breath and the cold dew is lays on our brow and then we'll see you face to face and praise you for all eternity. For that, we give you the praise and the thanks that you deserve. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413 624 8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.